And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. All right, everyone, welcome to Weighing In. This is our fourth, what, excuse me, this is our July 4th, 4th of July celebration episode, I guess. I don't know if we're celebrating or not, but I hope you are. I hope you're doing some fireworks, doing some good stuff. You can catch us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and a plethora of other podcasting platforms. And if you want to get one of our very, very cool t-shirts, the weighing in t-shirts, we now have three up on ProWrestlingTees.com. So you go to ProWrestlingTees.com, punch in weighing in, that'll bring us up, hit that picture, and when you hit the picture, there will be your three t-shirts, and you can actually get a 20% discount if you put in the word podcast, and you can pick one of those, and we actually have a fourth one coming out for you that is really cool, so we're just, just keep on going, and we want to thank everyone that has been tuning in and watching us. If you're new here, thank you for coming and joining us, and we hope you're going to enjoy, and if you're coming back, we doubly thank you because you're the reason why we are here. What's up, Joshua? Is that a word, doubly? Doubly. <laughs> doubly. I got doubly. I got to look that one up. No. That's a good one. John, I, I swear, at your age, you never seem to amaze me, man. Beautiful <laughs> job on the intro. Great <laughs> well, job. Great job. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm a little I'm a little jealous, man. He did a wonderful job. <laughs> wonderful job. Um, you know. It's amazing this old mind can remember that crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sad if my young mind can't. No. Um, it's It's been great. What, what do you got planned for the fourth? Today's the fourth. For those you guys that were up really early, John is he's up way earlier because he's in uh, the East Coast time. You're in Tennessee. Uh, what do you got planned? I have got a fireworks celebration. Look at where I live. Fireworks are cool. But yeah. I mean that in the fact that it's not these little safe, insane things going up, yeah. sitting on the ground with a little sparkly stuff. Do we get fireworks? We get things awesome. that blow things up. You, we, they shoot. We're talking. They go all over. And I have bought a shitload because it's time for me to blow something up. So we're going to have a big party. We're going to eat and drink and have fun and have a good 4th of July. That's awesome. Yeah, that, I remember those days because when I lived up in Idaho, yeah. uh, fireworks were extremely legal. Like we'd run out of the inner reservation. You could buy, you'd spend, you know, five, six hundred dollars in these with the cannon. They'd shoot them up oh, in yeah. the air. So you really, Mortars, yeah, all that you stuff. Had, yes. When I was a kid, I grew up, when I lived in uh, Sacramento as a young kid, my dad used to make like the big version of like, pipe bombs but like just firework type pipe bombs. <laughs> oh not... hold it a big version of a pipe <laughs> yeah bomb. like a, it, it was big it was probably like this big i would say it's maybe at least a foot long i don't know if that's big or not for a pipe bomb I've never seen one in person but it i was, have and that's a big pipe bomb yeah it was about a foot long and i would say maybe six inches around it was pretty big but it was so loud he would spend probably i don't know a good hour hour and a half maybe two hours building one you know, it was like it was only like one or two a year, but they were so loud. They would shake the, the house windows and oh, we, yeah. we lit it out in the street. It was it was crazy. Uh, it was good times. But like I remember just all the times growing up having fireworks. And then I moved back to I moved back into San Jose and they, San Jose was very much against it. And so Ooh, yeah. they, they had ruled it out. So then basically, like we were doing like, all the safe ones, the pew, 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 
the, <laughs> I know the little what are those things? The ones that um sparklers, the sparklers, and then the other ones. Remember the little flowers? They call them. Oh little, yeah, yeah, the little, flowers. little spinning things. Those yeah, things. yeah. But San Jose is so weak, man. It would. Remember, I remember the for one a couple of years they were saying the only ones you were allowed to was the sparklers and the ones. Remember, you'd light it. It looked like a little, looked like a little uh, black pill, and it would. Like kind of turn oh, into it'd be a, the snake. Yeah, the snake. It would turn into one of those. Those were like, but by the time I was old enough to move back here, that they, they sucked. Those, those <laughs> little snakes sucked. They were horrible. But hey, everyone, happy Fourth of July! I hope you guys um, yes. enjoy this show. We are going to talk a little bit quick about uh, Gilbert Burns uh, testing oh. positive for COVID. So, you know, getting you know, and it's funny because a lot of people don't understand. You know, there's an entire system set up for how the fighters are going to you know, get there and everything. And they do have to take a test to verify that they do not have yeah. the coronavirus before they get on the plane. They've got to have this paper saying I've been tested and I do not have it. And that's how Gilbert Burns was uh, diagnosed is he took that test to get on the plane to go mm-hmm. to Abu Dhabi to, to fight and wasn't allowed on. And it's a, it's a shame, but it's also, if you look at it, Josh, it's a possibility there's a possibility here because, you know, if you're George Masvidal, you're sitting there going, <laughs> or if you're Colby, oh, I got another shot, baby. The only problem is they have two guys that they could kind of play against each other. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if they're just going to cancel it off or if they're actually trying to bring one of those other guys in. It's kind of tight, but it's a possibility. Trust me, it could happen. I hope it does, and I hope either – George Masvidal or Colby Covington gets exactly what they're worth in going and fighting a last minute fight against a great fighter like Kamara Usman. Okay, so yes, it would be great to see one of those. Well, I'm glad guys. you agree with me. <laughs> I, I'm you an up know. and I'm an up and down guest. I'm, I'm up and down, kind of agreeing with you right now. I would like to see those two guys have full camps and be able to fight Kamara Usman. Sure, you know, and in. The, in a in a real world, it would be wonderful, you know, an ideal world. I should have said, um, Gilbert Burns. Uh, my heart goes out to you, man, because I gotta tell yeah. you, you've had the greatest little short run, real quick, to get to the title shot. And I think best thing for you going up to one seventy was was perfect, you know. Um, I I, I real I'm, it sucks my hand. My heart goes out. So I was supposed to fight him uh, a long, long time ago, and I ended up getting injured. We never fought, but. Ever since then, he's he's actually reached out to me and been like, hey, I hope you're doing all right, this and that. And he seems like an extremely nice guy. Every time I've seen him, he's been smiling, laughing, having a good time. I mean, it's easy to do that when you've been winning the way he's been winning, you know, against <laughs> against top guys, really, really top guys. So um, it's I'm I'm sad for him. Uh, I, I of course, I would like to see someone fill in. I'd love to see Mazadal or Colby. I don't think either either one of those deals gets done. Um, I think they've got that stat. That card is so stacked. Yeah, and that's the reason they don't need right to. there. And that's yep. that's the thing. They're like, nah, we're good. You know, if anything, we're just we're saving money. You know, and we're getting all the kinks out on our very first fight, Fight Island show. Let's uh, let's get this thing figured out, and then when we're done getting that thing figured out, we can go ahead and move on to getting them going. Um, who knows, man? I mean, there's been a lot of guys as of recently. There's been a lot of people that I that I have known. You know, like you. Brian Callen just came out and said he had it. Brandon Schaub came out and said he had it. Um, you know, obviously now with uh, Burns, um, there's been a couple people, you know, two fighters from AKA got it, two young guys. Um, so they have it. And then, um, you know, 
they all of them have said like they feel fine. You know, obviously we've seen you know the the stuff with Shaw. I don't know if you've seen this stuff with Shaw, but he's out riding his bike, you know, doing stuff. They think they got it from San Antonio because the two of them did a show together in San Antonio, Brian Cowan and and Brandon Schaub. Um, you know, but it just well, you got to look and say people are gonna get it. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's a virus. It's like you know, people are gonna get the flu. You're gonna get sick. You don't want to see people get it, but yeah. This thing has got to go through a progression where people become, you know, able to deal with it and they build up an immunity to it. And so yeah, I feel bad for Gilbert because yeah. this was big opportunity. And I think you're right. I hate to say when you're right, but I do think you're right. It's, that, it's no, a lot they're, more they're than you gonna, can admit. They're just going to cancel that fight because the, the, the card is so stacked. But I would love to see, you know, Masvidal get that payday yeah. that, you know, he wants based upon hey you want this fight to happen i'll come do it you know and if he'll come do it last minute yes he's at a disadvantage but he knows that and he's making the money to go do that fight so it would be really nice to see that but i think you're right i think that that fight just gets taken off of the card and they have a solid solid card still yeah with the fights that they have so yeah i ain't blinking at that card at all like i mean i'm gonna i'm not gonna pay for it but i am gonna watch it um. Wow, that hurts. <laughs> I'm paying for it. I have to. I don't have the. I don't have the uh, the experience, the ingenuity, or the uh, piracy abilities to take you know, that for free. I gotta tell you, <laughs> I know a guy. You know a guy? Uh, I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. Right, Dave? I know a guy. <laughs> Whoa! Wink, just wink. throw him under the bus. <laughs> and here uh, comes the UFC after podcast, uh, Dave. Dave, I think you should just you know say you know what I need to pay. I'm trying to make him. I'm trying to make him famous, but not in the, not in any good way. Yeah, you're gonna make him famous in a bad way. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I I agree with you that I well I, I said it first that they're not gonna have that fight. I think that Masvidal will kind of outprice himself a little bit. Colby will for sure outprice himself. Um, wow, Masvidal. Why 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 are you saying Colby's gonna be more expensive than than Masvidal? Well, I think because Masvidal understands that he's getting towards the end of his career and he's make as much money as he possibly can. I'm not saying that he's like all of a sudden he's going to retire. I'm just simply saying he's getting older. Okay. And I think that's why now he understands. Yeah. He understands at 35, 36. That's when it starts getting a little harder. Absolutely. I agree. Um, He understands that if they're going to offer him two, $3 million or maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, whatever it is. Hey, that's more in my wheelhouse of, okay, I'll fight you. You know, whereas Colby's like, look, I'm still semi young. I'm still pretty fucking good. And, you know, and I still have a talking mouthpiece that's going to get me more money as I go on, as long as I keep winning. I got to, he's got to get back on the winning track. But I think that that, um, with him, he's got more time to like fuck his career up. Okay. With Mazadal, he's, he's got the time. He's got enough time to make as much money as he possibly can. I think when you get to that age, it's like, okay, let's, let's start just stacking chips. You know, and so I think with him, that's that's in his mindset. And that's why he's being as smart as he is. Like, hey, I'll do it. But, hey, this is what it's going to cost you. And yeah. they may want to put that fight on here soon versus Gilbert Burns. I mean, Gil- Burns could be out for another month, not be able to go to the gym, not be able to do anything. Hey, hey. Gilbert's you know? out for a while. Yeah, so but he might be out just, for a while. That one, that one is that's well, not going to happen. Well, here's the thing. I've had two friends. I've had two friends, not friends, but people that I know that had tested positive. And within a week, they tested negative three times. They went back and really? tested. Yes. Within a week, week and a half. You know, because they have the test. So they test one time, wait, wait three days, test again, wait three days, test again. They tested negative again. 
So, I mean, but then I had a, my, it's funny, my cousin, who was one of the guys like, I'm never going to get it, I'm never going to get it. You know, it was a lot, his wife's a nurse. He ended up getting it. But you have to get three negatives in a row. You have to get three negatives. And he wasn't able to. So for a month, he was in quarantine. I felt really bad for him. You know, um, couldn't help around the house. Couldn't like, you know, make food. His wife had to leave his food out on like the back porch. He had to walk out and get it and then come back in and eat. Like it was just, it's, it, some guys kick it. Some people kick it sooner. Some people don't. So I, I think uh, that they may try and put a Mazadol fight on beforehand with Usman. And then whenever Burns is ready to go, they may try to slide him back in there, which I think he deserves. You know what I mean? Outside of outside of Colby, who I think needs to get a win and then come back and get a title shot, but I don't understand an automatic rematch. You know, I, realistically, I think Mazadol is the only guy, yeah. you know, to, to really put in that spot. I mean, that's true. There is other guys, but not anyone. Where were these guys getting this test? Have you seen the cost of the home test for this COVID? No. Is $100, $120. Well, we've got pop-up what? tents everywhere here. 109, 110, I saw 119. It's like, wow. dang, man, someone's making money off this thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was strange because my doctor here, he basically just charges you a $30 drop-in fee or whatever, like uh, for your insurance. What's it called? Your copay. He just charges your copay. He's like, all right, you're good. So I don't know yeah, why. It's, it's and, then, and then there's tons of pop-ups that are free. You know, in San Jose, I mean, they're not free because nothing in life is free, but <laughs> it's, but they have these show up, you fill out the paperwork and, you know, you, you head in and get it done. So I just got tested on, what was it? Wednesday, Thursday. I got tested on Thursday. So yeah, because the two guys from AKA, I don't, I haven't been AKA or trained with them, but I do train one, I train two guys from AKA here at my gym and they hadn't trained with those two guys since the Friday before but those two guys tested positive on Tuesday so I was like look let's just not take any chances. Yep. So I went down and got tested but and we got to get tested again in what a week and a half, two weeks. Yep. We're out of here too. Before we go and then we get tested again. Here's the thing. I've seen the the UFC ones get the, those guys get tested. That fucking Q-tip went way up their nose. <laughs> well, there's different ways of doing it. And the ones that I've taken so the one that I just took, it was only like up and then a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. it tickles the hair. Yeah, I, that was it. Nothing. <laughs> it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad at all. I walked no, out there going, there, man. There's a variety of different tests. There's one that goes down the throat. There's oh. one that goes way down, down deep in your sinus cavity, and then there's the one that's just like the one you took. So those are the three I've seen. Which one's the most accurate? They're all now accurate. Yeah, I know. They're all fit less than 50% accurate from what I hear. From what I read, that, right? I just read that on the same day, like last week. You Wednesday can have a Thursday. false positive. You can have a, you know, nothing's nothing's 100%. That's what's scary. Like Gilbert Burns, what if it's a false positive? Could be. Well, I don't know because he tested for it, his brother tested for it, oh, and his no. trainer. So I'm going, yeah, I think he's got it. It made me oh. jump you, by the way, reporting that Max Holloway and Volkanovski are the main event now. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure, it does. That makes sense. It's a yeah. fucking great championship great fight. fight. You know, great fight. Max and you have a, a guy that's the the reigning champion because in the other one you got Peter Yan and Aldo, and neither guy is the reigning champion. Yeah. What do you think of Max Holloway's hair? Dude, it's puffy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's it was fluffy. Great. I thought it's it was like Gabriel great. Iglesias. He's fluffy. Oh man, <laughs> he's just not. 
Luffy in a different way. I started. I saw when I saw him. I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> I like looked around. I was like, "Is that Max?" Oh shit! It is Max. You know, it's fu- it's funny though when you you get used to someone and the way yeah. they look. You know, I haven't changed forever, and I never will because it's just simple. Mm-hmm. I'm all about being simple. But you see a guy all of a sudden change. You know, Masvidal has gone through the whole thing. You know, he used to have his hair really short. Yeah. You know, when I first saw him, he had long hair. Then he was always, you know, buzzed head or yeah. real short hair. And then back to, you know, jujitsu Jesus. <laughs> and, jiu-jitsu. And look, looking good, man. Do me a favor, John. Can you take your headset off? Yeah. Yeah. Can you take it off for a sec? Everyone, you guys see this? This is how he wakes up. Okay. <laughs> his hair. He wakes up like that with his hair. I yeah, swear to you. Yeah, I've done a there. lot of shows with John, traveled all around the world with John. And guess what? never fails he wakes up like that okay not like these girls on instagram okay he really oh, does no. wake up like that he really yeah, does i don't i don't get the bed i don't move a lot man I'm, I'm kind of like a, you know with with my neck and the way i got to be in a certain position i can stay there so you're like a geisha you ever seen that movie geisha Ooh, where no. they where they lay on like these these this little like i don't know it looks like chopstick holders and you rest your neck on it it's true and they're Ooh. supposed to sleep like that i guess geishas aren't supposed to move at night and part of the Part of the movie was showing that this girl, showing this one girl who was a young girl trying to be a geisha, how how to sleep, and it was hilarious. She like lay down and went to sleep. She woke up and fucking hair was everywhere, fucking beads and shit all over the floor. She was like face was on the ground, smashed. She had mar- marks of her clothing on her face and makeup everywhere. <laughs> hilarious. I was like thinking to myself, John doesn't sleep like that. Nope. So. <laughs> Um, good fight. Max Holloway, uh, Volkanovski deserves to be the main event. No doubt about it. I'm excited for the Rose, uh, fight as well. Um, Paige Van Zant's on that card also. Aldo. Oh, of course, Aldo and Peter Yan. I could have seen that fight potentially being, you know, up there, but since it's for a vacant title, correct? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the, that's different. the part, you know, but is that now the co-main? Aldo and Yan. Yeah. Aldo Champ- and Yan. Champion, yeah. championship fights. Gotta be. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. For some reason, I was thinking uh, Jessica Andrade and, and Rose, but then that's uh, no. Whaley Zhang. Yep. Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to Gilbert, and I know he'll be back. He'll be back, no doubt. I hope they give him an automatic title shot when he does come back. It'd be nice if they do fill someone in there so Usman can get a fight in there as well so we can see that fucking savage fight. He's a fucking animal. I mean, he, I completely underestimated him against Colby. Uh, I looked at, at, at some of his past fights. I thought maybe Colby would try to wrestle him enough to make him tired, slow him down. None of that shit happened, and uh, it was just it was a very well fought fight by Usman. And and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. He's so big for the weight. Him and Masvidal is a big guy for fifty five. He's not a he's not a great not a, not a really big guy for seventy, but he carries no. the weight really well. And so that fight to me is very interesting. Do I think that Usman can take him down? Yes. Do I think Usman can hold him down? I don't know. You know, that's, that's one of those fights. I mean, potentially he can. Potentially he can. But there's not a big, I don't think there's a big submission threat behind that, behind Usman. There's a, there's a ground and pound threat. There's a hold you down threat. There's a continuously take you down because Usman's a savage. Of course there is. But I don't know if he can hold him down. I mean, guys like Damian Maya had a hard time holding holding him down you know he was able to pop back up a couple times he was even harder but Damien also doesn't have the wrestling that Usman has but he does have the threat of the submission so Usman uh what's it called um Maslow has got to be careful about how he tries to get up against someone like Damien Maya not so much with Usman he can go ahead and turn his back because he's got 
people underestimate how good his submission de- his submission defense is, as well as his takedown defense is. He's fucking really, really good. And not to mention, uh, when it comes to striking, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever went back and watched the old Strike Force fight with him and KJ Noons. Good God. I've never seen anyone get pieced. <laughs> I've never seen one person in the UFC or one person in Strike Force, one person ever get pieced up like that. I think in a fight, it was one of those fights. I was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. He was just touching him and touching him and touching him. Kicked him in the head like two or three times, I think. Dropped him once or twice. It was just one of those fights. I'm like, if that was one of those fights right now. If that happened in this era, you'd have guys like Luke Thomas and other media guys complaining about they should have thrown the towel in by the end of the second. It was that bad. You know, and uh, it was a good You can go take a look at Masvidal's fight against Till, though, because he does certain things in that fight where he you can see him setting up the combination that he ends up knocking Till out with mm. and he sees it and he goes back to it and you know Till does a couple things but then when he goes back to it again you go technically Masvidal's good technically yeah. he's really good he is solid on his feet the only thing he doesn't have he doesn't have that submission game if Usman yeah. does take him down he's not the guy that's real dangerous off of his back no he's got to get himself back to it yeah, that's he, that's his key to to being you know a participant in the fight to be a guy that can win the fight. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. It tasted like vinegar coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, is there anything else, Dave? That we like any fan news, fan related news? Um, well, the the, the, only, the other big news is um, Khabib's news. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that one's that one's a rough one. Yeah, the last I had talked to him. He was talking, you know, he was very slowly talking, maybe one word, two words at a time. Yes and no blinking of the eyes. I, you know, it was, that was it. That was all. He was still in the hospital, said he was recovering. And then now this happened. Well, he'd gone, you know, it wasn't just the fact that you know, he, he got the, the virus. He also had a heart attack. Yeah. They had open heart surgery. I mean, there's a lot of things that went on. And so he had a lot going against him, and you know the fact that he would, they thought he was coming back was awesome. I did, I feel bad. You know, he has been a mainstay with Khabib. You know, he's he's just that guy in the background. You know, he doesn't doesn't do a lot, doesn't say a lot when he's fighting, if he's there. But he's just you can see that he gives Khabib a strength. There's a belief factor. There's a yeah. there's a respect factor, and. That's going to be missing, and, and I feel really bad. I'm sorry, Khabib. You know, condolences to the entire family. You know, I, I'm sorry. I know how rough this has got to be for you. I got to tell you that during all these times with COVID, quarantine, Black Lives Matter, all the stuff that we're going through right now, it was so nice to flip through social media yesterday and see people from all around every organization. One FC posted a, a clip of it. You know, uh, a couple pictures of the two of them. You know, um, every fighter, didn't matter what organization you were yep. from, you know, obviously Sports Center and ESPN, they did as well. But I mean, I had like, all the other news media stuff, you know, everyone was uh, about it yesterday. And I think it was just great to finally flip through and see, you know, like, I know it was a, a sad time, but it was a it was a little bit of unity for once, you know, during all these times. And it was great to see. <clears throat> it's sad. I just I get concerned because with him he just he really you, you i've heard it since i've met him it's like my father's dream fight was gsp my father this my father that yeah. you know and i don't know man do you do you keep doing it 
you know, because I, I do know that he has talked to, he had already talked before he even won the title. As soon as I win the title, I'm all done. So what? I mean, I know. I'm like, what, what do you, like, you have nothing else to prove. I mean, you're, what is he? 20, uh, he doesn't 20, have anything to prove. 28 or 29 and 0 or something like that. I don't know, he's, he's, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't really know if he, I would hate to see him. You know, I don't know. I would, I just, I hate, I hate seeing this because I know how close all of them are. You've got well, Abubaka, you've got Islam Makachev, you've got Umar, the Magomedov, you've got his little, you've got all of them. You've got so many other guys that when they come, they all they do is talk about his father, talk about how, how great he is as a coach, how great of a person he is, how much of a family person he is. It's hard, man. I, I think a lot of these guys, not just, not just Khabib, all of them are going to be missing a piece of their heart. You Absolutely. Know? And um, and that leadership of just what they've grown up around. I mean, like Islam Makachev talked about how he's been his coach since he was like six years old or something. And I mean, and they look at Islam like as if he's their son, you know. And so it's <clears throat> I want I I don't know I don't know how to I don't know how that's going to affect them. But I I hope they they can stay focused, stay moving on, and uh, I wish the very best for their whole family, man, their whole yeah. family. So you know, especially his mother. You know, so, all right, guys. Um, let's let's uh let's talk about some fan questions. Let's do that. Let's brighten something up here before I start to cry, man. I feel I know. Thank I feel you. Bad for like, jeez, like, man. I'm such a sissy. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. Oh sissy. man. All right, I'll start off late for you guys. Um, Lucio D'Amico asks, "What are you guys' favorite cheat meals?" What's your favorite cheat meal? Oh my God! <laughs> Let's see, cheap meal. Yeah, my street, my my daughter's street tacos. She makes the greatest tacos as far as street tacos, just incredible. <clears throat> and then top that out off with key lime pie. You can pack me up, send me away. I'm a happy dude. I'm not a key lime pie kind of guy. Oh, dude, you've never had great key you, lime pie. You like you like key lime pie? Oh, I don't um, like it. Dave's over here. Yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I've never I've never had a good key lime pie. Man, I don't know. I don't really like I don't like lemon or lime stuff at all. Neither do I. No, really. And love key lime pie, man. Wow, interesting. I'm gonna have to give it another grow. Maybe now that my I'm older, my taste buds have died, and I can eat. <laughs> I can I can learn to appreciate it. I've heard that's the way they do it with whiskey, right? Is that yeah. as you get older with scotch and whiskeys, like you start to develop a taste for it because your taste buds have pretty much they change. Well, everything oh, changes. They've died off. No, they <laughs> they've died. They're not off. dying. I'm not, I'm not going with the dying yet. <laughs> they've died off. Is <laughs> all. Um, let's see. Cheat meal. I, you know, I got to go with the tacos. Also, I haven't had your daughters yet, oh. but I'm gonna actually one of these. Stand days by. To, you will. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take you up on that um outside of that honestly like my favorite cheat meal would probably be just to go separate from what you were saying <clears throat> is mediterranean food so i love like kebabs chicken kebabs you know lamb kebabs lamb shank i love all like anything to do with that with and i don't even know the name of that rice is what it's called but it's like the rice with like a little bit of that yellow flavoring on it Whoo, that with the tzatziki sauce or you know some sort of like yogurt cucumber sauce with mint <sighs> I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. Yep. As far as dessert goes, you put any type of ice cream in front of me, I'm going to crush that shit. <laughs> I'm going to crush it. I, lo I love me some ice cream, man. I do really right, like... Do you, do you have to have... Like, you can put marshmallow or hot I like marshmallows. I like marshmallows yeah. in it. Yep. So there's... there's uh, The Ben and Jerry's one is called Fish Food. 
I like that one. That one's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> has the chunks of chocolate, a little bit of caramel, and uh, obviously chocolate ice cream, but with the marshmallows in it. And what I like is it's swirled in it. It's not just like chunks of marshmallows in it. Uh, there's that. And then there's a place here right down the street from me that has a really good, um, like it's like, it's ice cream, but it's a, it's like a soft serve ice cream. So it's not, um, gelato. It's like a soft serve. It's really weird. I don't know how they do it. And I'm, I'm afraid to ask them cause there might be a ton more chemicals in it but, <laughs> and, and I'll be okay with it to be honest. I've just, say, they, yeah, that's going to be it. Yeah. They sell it by the, oh. the gallon tubs and it's, uh, what's it called right here? no idea anyways it's right here at the oh it's Lucky. called sonic and it's a blizzard or no. dairy queen it's a blizzard it's good but once you know like when you put ice cream in your freezer it gets hard you gotta like kind of wet the spoon and get it through this for some reason the first two weeks it doesn't get hard it gets it's still soft serve so when you when i put a spoon in it it just goes right up it's so i don't know how they do it or what or, but anyways yeah it's it's bomb so that that guy it's called sweet retreat Oh, I've seen it before. Yeah, Sweet Retreat's right here off of uh, Blossom Hill and uh, Santa Teresa on the corner. Mm. Uh, it's really good. It's right next to Thai Grotto, the, the restaurant there. Thai Grotto's bomb, too. I love Thai food. Love me some Thai food. Thai food is good. I used to, the, the ice cream I used to love was Cold Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And they, get, they had a banana ice cream, and I, I, they would have their jar of marshmallows, and I would say take about half that jar, stick yeah. it in that banana ice cream there. Oh. You know what else? You know what else is good is you know how marshmallows kind of get like kind of hard. Yep. But there's another one called mochi. I don't know if you know mochi. Like oh yeah, mochi. You put mochi in the in the ice cream or in the yogurt, and it doesn't get hard. Doesn't get hard. So, but and so it's still kind of like I used to when I was a kid. Put because my family owns a chain of frozen yogurt shops, and they've owned it since '82 or something like that. Anyways, they um. I would put marshmallows in there. I put gummy bears in there. I'd be there all day chewing because they freeze. I'm like, rah, rah, rah. now when I, they came out with the mochi. That's how you get a good chin, man, because your jaw, you know, make it strong. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all fight preparation. It's all good. A little bit of genetics in there, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next question. All right. Uh, G-Wes asks, should there be a rule against completely turning your back to your opponent and run, running away slash walking away? Overeem has done it on multiple occasions, as well as Connor and Jones. Uh, in my opinion, it increases the chances of strikes to the back of the head and blatantly violates the rule of timidity. Um, I was hoping you could give me your thoughts, John. It here here's the difference. There there's different times when you're looking at that situation. There's different elements to it. There are times when turning your back is a sign of defeat. It's a sign of you're giving up. You have been overwhelmed. You have no idea what to do. And you basically are turning into almost like a kid in a schoolyard fight where almost they don't know how to fight. and some, Someone's bullying them and starts hitting them and they just turn and cower because they have no way of doing anything effectively to stop what's occurring. So that's one way of turning your back running away that's what dave that, does when i hit that's him that's different that's what dave does <laughs> yeah we many times and this is this has to do with the size of the cage when it comes to mma but many times you can look at a guy connor did it against nate diaz i believe and i think i was the referee in one of them you know he actually did a little run to gain distance it's smart that's called smart fighting that's saying I need to gain distance right now and I need to do it fast. This is what I'm going to do. And he just takes off and goes, Alistair has done the same thing. That is not timidity. Okay. That is, if he continues to do it, it becomes timidity. 
But if he reestablishes and sets and comes back into the fight, it's just called a technique that is working for him and that is smart for him in that fight at the moment. So there's all kinds of ways to look at when someone does that little run. There's times when you'll get guys that are running just because you know they're they're being hit and they need to gain that distance and it's a smart technique and there's times when it's actually a sign that they are giving up and you're going to stop the fight when you look at boxing anytime a fighter turns their back okay because see when you're looking at a boxer he's cut in half you know along the head down the ears along the side of the body and at that that waistline there's only one element that that boxer can attack is that body and head in that section as far as the front, not nothing to the back. So when a boxer turns, referees right away are going to do one of two things. They're going to either, boom, I'm stopping the fight because you're giving up, or they can take points based upon you're turning in an area that can mean that every blow that is thrown is going to be illegal, but you're the one causing it. And it can be the same thing with MMA. When a guy turns and you're saying, uh, then, you know, shots to the back of the head and the guy's throwing a punch and it hits him to the back of the head. That's not illegal on the guy that threw the punch. It's caused by the person receiving the punch. So the referee's not going to call it. You created the situation. You made it happen. I'm not going to call a foul on your opponent for an action that you created that made that foul happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, but it's so different than like if someone you you hit someone and they turtle up on hands and knees, and then yep. they're looking one way and you start hitting them in the face on that side, they turn they their turn head, their head, they yep. turn their head to defend themselves or you know basically not take the shots in the face. Yeah, I understand that part. I guess from a fighter's point of view, is the, the turning and running away. You have to look at the scenario and the situation of where it's happening. Majority of the time, it's happening is they need to get out of there before their back hits the fence. So they basically will turn and run to make sure they have more of the cage to utilize. Yep. And the other thing as well is you'll see fighters, they'll try and do that before they hit the cage for a couple of reasons. One is they don't want their back to the fence because they probably don't want to get taken down. Two is if they try to do it when they get too close to the fence, they may trip over the fence and end up on the bottom. So I've seen that multiple times. Guys have tried to get away and their toe gets stuck in the fence and they've tripped or they lose their balance. So they're trying to get out of there before that situation gets any worse. And I agree with you. It's 100% of a, a smart fighting. Um, turning and running away and to live a fight another day kind of thing mentality is it's, <laughs> it's true. I mean, he's just trying to get more space so he can utilize whatever space weapons he has. for that moment. Yep. You know, especially like so, someone like Connor, right, who throws those spinning kicks and, you know, he likes to be, he likes to have a wide stance. He needs a little bit of space to work. It's very understandable. You know, just, yep. my, just my two cents. All right. Um, Hog asks, which fighter has made the biggest rise during the COVID shutdown? Oh, of course, Gilbert Burns. During the COVID, who's made the biggest rise? Yeah, except for now, there was a big fall. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> he's made Come the on. biggest rise. Gilbert Burns, who else would be, though? Who else? Sugar Shane. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Come yeah, on. Yeah, but he hasn't. I I get, I, yeah, but I, no, I. I agree with I agree that he's up there. He just hasn't beat the level of caliber guys that Gilbert has to get to where he needs to be. I think I think the I think he's on his way. I just think that Gilbert getting a title shot at 170 yeah, but, after but having Gilbert, losses at Gilbert 55, just fell down. If you're saying during this COVID, he he fell down on COVID. <laughs> <laughs> just 
being honest. That's why I've got to. Well, I agree with you. COVID, COVID kind of brought in. him down. Calm down. Yes, it did. <laughs> COVID so brought him you know. down. But I'm saying, like, you're saying the rise. I mean, like, I mean, Sean, he, he could test positive, too. He you're, could, but he's not. He doesn't have a fight that he just tested <clears> positive, <throat> so he can't go do the fight. I know. So right now, but Gil just all you've got, you've got two fights that you just saw, two incredibly impressive performances, and I mean, you got to look and say that's. I'm I'm going to go with Sugar. You can go with Gilbert. It's okay. I'm going to go with Gilbert. I'm going to. Okay, one, you're one wrong. got to a title I shot. I like that. No, I, I, no, no, he got. You know, no, 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 no. There's no title shot. There. Well, he was offered one. I mean, he took it. He was, and he took it. The contract and COVID, was signed. COVID kicked him in the nuts. He still beat a former champion. Sean <laughs> he did. O'Malley has not beat a former champion. I didn't say he beat, but I'm just saying. Sean is still rising. Your guy's I, going not, this way right now. He is just not. As of, as of yet, yes, he's going that way. He's not going that way. He, he's he, still he, there he at the top. He he's not, he's not dropping title. in rankings because he he's got dropping COVID. in what this question is as far as COVID related. He's still he has fallen. It's not not it's not as far as a ranking in his I think fight. You're mis, I think you're misunderstanding the question. I don't think I am. I think you are. It's no. all COVID related. Dave, is that not a COVID related question? Don't bring Dave into this. He can't David, answer shit. I'll talk be, to me. Talk to me. First Dave. off, I can beat talk him up me, right dude. now into this game. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you're not gonna jump through the, the camera and get him. Um uh, no, I'm okay. You know what? I, I'm right. You're wrong. We can agree to disagree. I like Dave. That. Is that a po <laughs> podcast? Dave, is that a COVID related question? Yes, it is. It is a COVID related okay. question. What? Hey, Dave, did Gilbert Burns just get fucking diagnosed with COVID and is now out of a fight because of it? But during, but during his this during this COVID, who had the better rise? Who had the better rise? Who is it, who is higher the than the other? He, I'm not saying Gilbert was higher. But, and I would have said you were right with Gilbert. Until yesterday, or you know, now today, boom. If you guys are at home listening to this and you guys are you in the comments, see why section, Josh has been hitting the head too much to you actually guys are in the comments section. If you don't, you don't agree fashion. with me, you guys are wrong. <laughs> you guys are wrong. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, next question. All right, Scott Murphy asks Who's under the most pressure to win, uh, Holloway or Aldo? And if they lose, where do they go? Oh, that's easy. In my opinion, I think Max, if Max Hall. No, no, I, I think Max. definitely not. Go ahead. Tell me why. Well, I think Max, because if he loses to him again, he's going to have to go to he's going to have to go back. He's going to work his way all the way back up. Jose Aldo, he has nothing out like nothing left to prove. I, I don't like Max is still young. Max is still on his way. We're, Max is going to have to go backwards to try to get back. Aldo okay. could be done and he could walk away from the sport. I'm sorry, but he's. He's fucking done everything he's needed to do. I'm sure winning this title would be amazing for him. It'd be, it'd be it'd probably mean the world to him, knowing like, okay, I'm back, I'm back. But no, no, I think Max, because honestly, all I've seen is people talking about how he just he didn't have a really good camp last time, and it was, you know, he didn't make any adjustments in the corner, and I've kind of heard a lot of excuses. I'm not saying that there, some of them aren't deserved. But my point is, is that I think Max has all the tools to beat Volkanovski. He has it all. With Aldo, Aldo is, I think, kind of started just kind of falling into a little bit of that, just like we've talked about with boxing. Got away from his kicks. Got away from all the things that made him one of the best, if not the best guy in the world. Max still is growing, man. He's got so much more room. I don't think he need. I think he sh he has a lot more to lose right now. 
if he doesn't get this fight because now he's got to work his way back. Having a third fight with someone after you've lost two, it's hard to get back to that top. Even if he gets back, they're going to be like, we've already seen this fight twice. He may not uh -huh. get another shot for a long, long time if he loses this. Aldo, Aldo has the pool to do what he wants in 35 or 45. Not as much as he used to, but I'm saying <laughs> he could, he could work his way back. Dave, read that question again. Okay, the question is, who's under the most pressure to win, Holloway or Aldo? And if they lose, where do they go? Okay, so that, th this is the point. You just verified the whole thing. Because, yes, listen for a second. <laughs> just sit back and listen. Oh, Aldo is under pressure because he's been given an opportunity in the 135-pound weight class to become the champion that will lead his career forward all right even if he goes and he loses the next fight he had that next fight where he made a good amount of money to defend that belt if he does not win this fight he's done he's never going to get that big payday again he's never going to get a shot at the title again he is done where max holloway is still young yes you can always have that fighter who is trouble for you but max you can look in the same direction you know take a look at uh, uriah faber he had a win against dominic cruz and then lost a couple but he was always put back because he had that ability to put butts in seats which max does mm -hmm. and he was at an age where he could still do it but not even close to as young as max max is in a position where yes the fight's important i'm not saying it's not but if he loses it all he needs is for someone to come in, a Brian Ortega or some other, you know, you know, a, a uh, Aljamain Sterling, come in, take Volkanovski off his feet, submit him, and now guess who's back in the picture? Prime time. And then we'll say that Max wins that fight. And then guess where Volkanovski in that third fight's going to come? So Max is under pressure to win, sure. He wants that title back, and, and you're always under pressure when you fight. But his career moves on in a positive direction and will move forward, and he'll still be making good money in the future. I don't see the same thing for Aldo. So in my opinion, Aldo has more pressure on him with this fight. Did you just pitch your argument on what ifs? Like, what if Volkanovski loses to Sterling and he loses to Ortega? There's what no if? what if. You just Not said what if. if. You said it's very simple <laughs> that Aldo, if he loses this fight, is done as yeah. far as championship fights. Done. Okay, not going to happen again. Not at 145, not at 135. Done. So why are you fighting? At this point, you'll be fighting for a paycheck if they keep him. And I'm sure they would keep him, but that paycheck is going to be less based upon you're never, you, now you are no longer that guy that can win the title. You are becoming my gatekeeper. Yeah. And when Aldo becomes the gatekeeper, it's over. It's okay. over. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that it can't be over. What happens now, since you're, you're living in the what if world. Okay. What happens? <laughs> what happens if? Aldo makes it like a close fight where it becomes close to a draw or people are, it's controversial. Then what? And let's say, let's say Aldo loses, but it's, it's controversial. Okay. Everyone's like, so Oh, he, he loses. Lost. So he loses. Now what? Then okay, it's real simple. I got, I have a ton of one thirty five ers sitting yeah. there. Yeah. I've got Aljamain. I've got Marlon Marais. I've got all these people sitting there yeah. waiting for a title fight. So Aldo's, 
he's still out. Okay, he's out. Unless they have the fight of the year and Jan wins by, you know, in some people's opinion, you know, a an, a close margin or controversial, which, you know, they, they say just because it's close, yeah. it's controversial. It's not. But Jan wins. Maybe, maybe Aldo can come back in a couple of fights because they've already promised Sterling yeah. that next shot. Yeah. All right. So you get Sterling, then... You, you got to say, well, then Jan's got to beat Sterling for Aldo to get that title shot. Because if Sterling beats Jan, yeah, you can put Aldo and Jan back together again, but it's not for a title. Yeah, I, I don't look. I lean more towards Max because, like you, like you said, I'm leaning towards Max for you're expecting someone to potentially beat Volkanovski. What happens if Volkanovski stays the champ for three or four or five more fights? Possibility. Max is, Max is out. So I think it affects him. I think it affects him more that he won't be getting another title shot for at least four or five more fights. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you see yeah. in Volkanovski, do you see a guy coming in and beating him in the stand-up, knocking him out, taking him out with a decision through stand-up-based attacks? Or do you see a guy taking him off of his feet and submitting him as the as the road to victory, which one do you see is the easier road to victory against Volkanovski? Well, I could see Brian Ortega doing both. I could see him okay. knocking him out. I could see him taking him down. I could see him submitting him. Um, the, but what I think we're underestimating is the fact that yeah, sure, it'd be easy to maybe take him down and, and submit him, but it's not going to be easy. He's a lot shorter. He's really strong. Obviously, has. Take I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I, I understand He's that. He's champ. But, but yeah, I get that. But I can't. I can't base the the question off of off of that argument of like, hey, can these guys beat him? I'm not basing it off that. I'm basing it off the fact that if Max loses and Volkanovski stays the champion for five five or six more fights, he is the one that's going to get hit the most. Jose Aldo has had a long career. We Jose Aldo already knows oh, what's so going you, on. So hold it. So you're going into the what if then, because it's only if Volkanovski stays the champion for that long. Well, you're, I can't base it off anything else because he is the champion. I can't well, base it off yeah, of anything right else because he is That's the champion. The whole point. Well, I can't say what gonna, if someone's going to beat through, him. He's going to run through these different guys. I can't say what if someone's going to beat him because people haven't beat him. <laughs> so like, I'm going to go I'm gonna go based off of what's in front of me. I would imagine that Volkanovski, after beating Max, if he beats him twice, who's to say he can't beat Brian Ortega because Volk, I know doing MMA math. Oh, he could. But Volkanovski has. Totally had, different fight. Yeah, totally different fight. But he's beaten Max. Max has beaten Ortega. We're, we're talking about like that. I'm going to lean towards Max has the most to lose because even though he is young, he needs Volkanovski to lose the title before he gets another title shot. I think if he does, if Volkanovski loses his next fight, I think they slide Max right back in there. I think so. so and I, I know I know, I put Aljo, who's a 135er, up in the 145s. But, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, there's there's all these guys that are there that mm -hmm. can create problems for the style that Volkanovski brings. He, look at he brings problems for everybody. Yeah. But the ground is the route to ha giving him problems in this game. Now he's hard to hold down and all that stuff. But a guy that is good with submissions and setting them up. When you see a guy, and we're not talking black belt, we're talking world class. When you're talking a world-class grappler, there's a big difference. Yeah. Big difference between the world-class grappler and the black belt. I know people don't, you know, they confuse them and they mix them all yeah. together. There's a difference. And it's the setups that that world-class guy does that, man, you know, you can catch these guys. And if you, if a guy's able to get Volkanovski down early in a fight when he's dry, I don't care how short you are, you're going to get submitted if that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess to, to talk about what you're talking about, like I consider myself because I am a black belt. I've been a black belt for a long time. But I'm so not. A, I'm but not I'm, even but close I'm not, to these guys. I'm not a world class black belt, and that's the thing. I've trained with with guys like Leo Vieira and Buchecha and Lucas yeah. H and these guys. These guys are world and you go, fucking and you go. class. Damn. Yeah. I mean, look here. I've trained with some from world- the from the moment you clap hands. Yep. You are defending against getting submitted yeah. the entire time. It's you don't even try an offense. You're trying, but it's just not there. It's not you never there. see it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my one of my good buddies, he was a brown, it was a pro belt when I started training with him. And he became a brown belt shortly after. His name Philip Pomosky. And the kid is just so, so good. Physically strong, all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, even as a black belt, I was training with him as a purple belt and a, and a brown belt. And he's just the world class level at that, at those belt levels was better than me at black belt. I mean, I know he's a little bit bigger and things like that, but physically just a stud. An absolute animal kid from Switzerland. Really good, really good, really, really good jiu-jitsu guy. And uh, very smart, knowledgeable on the ground. But just, I understand what you're saying. But I can't, uh, what my point was is going back to the fight and the breakdown. Sure, Aldo has, I think, a lot to lose because the fact is, like you said, they could end up trying to make him a gatekeeper. I just, I also look at it too, is that even though that division is stacked, that 135-pound division, they're not, I don't really see them putting him back against Marlon Moraes after. So whoever he fights afterwards, well, I would imagine he's probably going to end up getting a win. So he'll be right back in that conversation again. So Sterling is going to fight Jan if Jan wins. Okay, that'll leave Marlon Moraes to be next. And they'll have Aldo fight someone else. And you'll be in that conversation piece of maybe Cody Garbrandt. Maybe Cody Well, you know, you know the way the UFC's matchmaking. Kind of yep, works. Lose. Yep. Okay. So if you take Aldo and he's got a loss, yep. then I'm going to take another guy that just got a loss. A so Sun I've got Sao. two guys, two guys, a Sun Sao or Sanhagen. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I totally forgot yeah. about Sanhagen. Yeah. Okay, now, and you look at, mm, man, I tell you what, to say, oh, he's going to get an easy, he's not going to get an easy fight. It's not no. going to be an easy win. So it, it's just a tough road. And yeah. obviously, you know, both guys obviously want to win. I'm just looking and saying, man, if Aldo loses, it's the last time I'll see him in a championship fight. Just my opinion. Yes, I, I guess. Yeah, I could agree with that. But I could also say it'll be two years before we see Max in another one if Volkanovski stays champion. And that sucks, too. You know, no, I mean? it like, doesn't. It doesn't. No, because he's young. I don't want to see Max as a, goal, so... as a gatekeeper. Like he, okay. I'm not saying he would, but that's kind of what they would be, be doing. No, because you know he, when he went up and he fought Poirier, right? Yeah. I know they they love him, so I mean they may end up giving him a third shot. But if he loses twice and then he loses the third time to the same guy, I just, I, the history has shown it doesn't matter what promoter we're talking about, UFC, Strikeforce, Bellator, whatever it is. One, they're not trying to match these guys up three fights and you know three fights so close together off of losses. I mean, especially if one guy's lost two in a row, they're like, nah, we're really not really interested in that third fight. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of why I feel like he's got the most to lose because if if I'm thinking about it, Volkanovski has beaten Max. Max has beaten Ortega. Like, it just has that feel of like, okay, who's next? Well, Volkanovski can beat those guys because he's beaten Max. And you've also got the Korean zombie just sitting there. Dude. I, I know, know. He, he's got problems with where he's at and stuff, but man, 
Yeah, but him. You, can, Nick, you cannot forget him. Him and Brian that Ortega are the fight. That's the fight I want to see. And the two of them are oh, chirping yeah. back and forth. I love, I love reading their, <laughs> I love reading their stuff, man. Yep. It's so fun. I get, I get like amped up when I start reading their tweets back and forth to each other. Like, no, I just signed the contract. No, I can't, you idiot. I'm fucking stuck over here because of COVID. It's great. You want to come here? Yeah. Bring it. This is great. All right, next question. All right, this one's a good. Okay, I love our length to it, but it's a good one. Um, Z Long asks, um, Joseph Benavides just did an interview with Brett Okamoto. Uh, he mentioned how after the last fight he was feeling dizzy every day he got up and didn't know if the con uh, concussion symptoms are going to go away. He also said he was crying and felt embarrassed. How common is that or does it sound concerning to you? Are the years of damage catching up to him and what's Josh's experience? I've got a lot of experience. <laughs> I've got a lot of experience. <laughs> Look, um, He's got no, a lot of experience of crying. No, you know what's funny is <laughs> it's, all right, it's, it's all funny. Right. I've cried a lot inside the uh, inside the office, like with Javier and stuff after training. I've never cried after a fight. Yeah, I've never cried after a fight. It's it is what it is, man. Um, as far as with him, I think that aspect of it. I mean, if he's saying he felt dizzy afterwards, I think a lot of it had to do with obviously concussion. Yep. Um, that also leads into being emotional and depressed and all those things. They all go. They all they're all tied together. Look at the uh, NFL. The NFL talks about athletes that have committed suicide afterwards, you know, um, Junior Seau, other guys, other a lot of other professional NFL players as well from the head trauma from all the years. Um, you could even very much say Aaron Hernandez uh, was from the CT as well. I mean, they looked into his brain and they said oh my he, God. Had, he had the worst CT they'd ever seen on a 26-year-old. So, someone that old. Yeah, someone that old. So um, all of that being said, I think a lot of the emotions probably came from the fact that, you know, he had a concussion. Uh, dizziness is definitely from the concussion, but I also think he is getting older and it's, it's not really the time, man. It's, I think, I think he's got to just be very, just careful about what he does. I honestly, I don't know how long, much longer I would fight if I was him. If I was having things like that happen to me, no, thanks, man. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always go off of uh, it's the rule of three and I know that seems like, you know, everybody's put together the same but we're all different, okay? And when I say that, you can have a guy that, you know, he gets knocked out 12 times, and he's going to be fine. He does. He's not going to suffer CTE. He's not going to suffer any type of dementia. He's just wired just a little bit different than most of us. And then you'll get the guys that, you know, they, they take one concussion, and it changes them forever. Mm -hmm. And I, so when I go out, when I say the rule of three, when you've been knocked out, I mean knocked out three times and suffered a concussion, I usually tell you, hey, it's time to start looking at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's only going to make things worse the more that you get. And, you know, Benavides has suffered multiple knockouts. Definitely concussions based upon his fight with Federico. He had the one against DJ where he ran into a punch and it just mm -hmm. intensified it and you know, he went completely out. Yeah. He's had these fights. And so you got to look and say, has he had a great career? He's had a great career. He's been a phenomenal fighter. He is, you know, Joe Jitsu has fought against the very best. You know, he beat freaking, you know, Cejudo, you know, in a matchup. You know, he's he's gone against the very best. Sometimes he's come out on top. A couple of times he's come out on the bad side and that's going to happen with fighting in MMA that's just what it is mm -hmm. but when you are feeling those effects of depression 
you're crying because of depression, you're having headaches, you're feeling dizzy, it's not the time to come back. It's not the yeah. time to fight. That takes a long time. We're talking six, nine, 12 months without you being involved in any type of contact. So no sparring, not taking shots at all. I'm actually you know, not doing things that, that actually work your brain hard. So, you know, you're not, you're not sitting there figuring out, you know, your business plans or anything like that. You're not doing, you know, mathematical equations based upon what your finances are or anything like that. None of it. You do not stress your brain. Your brain has to heal. The problem with, with concussions is we don't see them. You know, it, when, and this is the whole thing with, you see fans, you know, when, when like Anderson Silva does the kick and Chris Weidman blocks and it breaks, you know, Anderson kicks so hard that it breaks his leg and everyone goes, oh my God, that's horrible, it's terrible. But they look at the concussion and they go, oh, he's fine because as soon as he's up, oh, he's okay. No, he's not. <laughs> his injury is way worse than the leg of Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva broke his leg, it's going to heal. Okay, the, the concussion, yes, you can heal. But since we don't see it, and since it's not something that's there that we then have to put a cast on or have surgery, we just think that, okay, as soon as some of the symptoms stop, we're okay. We're not. It takes time to overcome the effects of a concussion. And hopefully Joe has had enough time. I don't think he has. I'm just being honest. I didn't think that was a good fight to put him back in right away, right away but you know, that's what they did. And I hope he, uh, I hope he has a good game plan going in because if he goes into trade punches and set his feet and try to knock out his opponent, Federico, he is, uh, he's in trouble. You know, he's going to get clipped again and it's going to take less to put him out this time than it did last time. Yeah. They're not something to play around with. There's, you know, concussions. You see it, like you said, people, I've seen some guys that can take shots um, end over end, I've, I've seen guys get knocked out in the gym and then like, you know, two weeks, three weeks later, they're getting hit clean by some other guys and doesn't even phase them. But yep. I've also seen guys get knocked out in the gym and then try to fight a month later. And like, they just got blown on and they were the out. wind, yeah. the wind of the punch the, just breezes on them and they go out and they were face down ass up. Like, that's, yep. I mean, that's how bad it was. So it really depends on. I think it just depends just on the how way you're wired. Yeah, how you're yeah. exactly. And there's nothing wired. you can do about it, nope. man. Nope. You know, it's not something that you can train to, you know, get better at, or I can make it strong. It just, it is yeah. the way God put you on this earth. That's how you're going to be. Yeah. It, but the thing is, I think it also, it's something that happens over time as well. I mean, look at Chuck Liddell. Yes. I mean, Chuck was able to take shots oh. all the time. Took some fucking clean People shots. have no idea. I, I knew Chuck when he was doing before MMA and the kick. He he would actually put his chin out there and let you hit him so he could counter you with a right hand and blast. Him. Wow! He just could take he you know at at a certain point in his career, you could hit him in the in the jaw with a freaking mallet and yeah. he would just go and come after you. Then it went away. Yep. And it goes away. And once it goes away, it doesn't come back. Oh, it does never comes back. It's gone. Gone. We we saw that even later on in his career, like later on when he fought Tito. It's like, you know, Tito's not known for power, you know, but it's just that it's once it's gone, it's gone. And that was the other thing I I think um, from the experience uh, myself, you know, when I started getting like rocked in training that I'd never got rocked before, I was like, all right, 
this is this isn't this isn't this isn't for me anymore. So and those why, are, and that's that's with sixteen it? ounce gloves. Yeah, you know exactly. And, and headgear at times and stuff and things that actually sometimes start to. I don't like headgear. I hated headgear, but you know it does help soften the blow sometimes, even though your head's bigger. But the sixteen ounce gloves, man, look at the punch comes slower. It does have some weight to it, but it's also softened based upon the glove. You, the big difference you get hit with a, a small glove and especially an MMA glove with that same shot. Yeah. Big difference. Next question. Um, the next question is why doesn't UFC want to form a 165 pound division? Your opinion. Um, <laughs> if I could just add on to it, John, why did they choose 170 and not 175 when they, when they first um, implemented that division? When they first implemented the division, you're going way back. You know, if you want me to explain it all, I'll explain everything that's happened. But you got to look, and you know, Pat Militich was the first welterweight champion for the UFC. But the weight classes has switched throughout time. You know, it used to be okay. There was no weight class. I mean, you're looking at UFC one, two, three, four, no weight classes. All right. Then when we finally went and put a weight class in, that was UFC twelve. Two different weight classes. You had heavyweight and lightweight. That was at 200 pounds was was the separation. So if you were 199, you were a lightweight. If you were above, you know, 200 or 200 or above, you were a heavyweight. Then it went and split again, and they went with a middleweight, lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. You know, but what's occurred since the unified rules when the unified rules came in that's when we put in all the different weight classes of you know flyweight at 125 bantamweight at 135 featherweight 145 lightweight at 155 welterweight at 170 middleweight at 185 light heavyweight at 205 heavyweight 205 to 265 and then there was a super heavyweight above 265 that was the first amount of weight classes and you look and say, okay, then they put in lower weight classes of straw weight, which is 115, atom weight, which is 105. Those were put into the unified rules. And then eventually they came in and they put in a couple of more. We put in the 165. They held on to the 170. The reason they held on to the 170 is simple, as simple as it gets, it's the UFC. The UFC did not want to take the title from their fighter at that time and put them either to 175 or 165. They had reasons behind it. They said, we, we want to keep that, that weight for a while. And so, you know, you, this is the UFC is a stakeholder in, in this entire thing. They're a big stakeholder and you, you don't want to do things that are going to cause them problems. So we said, all right, so 165 was put in, 170 stayed, 175 was put in. The big thing was to go, instead of the, the jump in weights from either 15 pounds from 155 to 170, everything was that 10-pound jump, like 125, 35, 45, 55. So 65, 75, even though we left the 170 in there, then 85, 95, you had 205, and then they went to 25. Those weight classes are all there just because a promotion doesn't use them. Look at the UFC doesn't use those. Bellator doesn't use them for championships or anything like that. They'll use them for catch weights. And that's what they'll, they'll, they'll call it either a catch weight or a 
subtracted weight. Mm -hmm. But those weight classes, as far as the unified rules, are there. And they've been there for a while. The UFC, as a promotion, has the right to use any of them or not use them. That's their choice. You know, people can sit there and complain. One of the things that any promotion is going to look at is saying that if you use the weight class, you're going to be thinning out your other weight classes. You could be thinning out your 155s because now guys are going to jump up to 165, or you could be thinning out your 170 because guys are going to jump down to 165. So they look at it as a problem, and it's going to cause me a problem in thinning out some of my weight classes that I don't want to have thinner, even though I look at it and say, man, they're so stacked and so strong in the 155. They have so many good athletes. Same with 170. If you're talking about putting in that one weight class, you know, to, to, to do another one now, I think 165 is the perfect weight class for them to do it. But, you know, it's their choice. Yeah, I think to talk about what, you're, what you just mentioned, the thinning out, is that some of the guys, though, that are going to go from 85 to 75, Cause they're on that border as well. So you're going to get, if little, they opened up 75, Yeah, but I mean like if they got, if they open up 65, they're not going to keep 70. I wouldn't imagine it would go 65, 75, 85. I mean, but here we, we don't know. It's all speculation. Yeah. Let me ask you this though. Why do you think at all the weight classes, I think 65, hundred percent is the one that they should add. And I had heard for a while that they were going to add it. Um, and then it just kind of disappeared. I don't know if that was because of the Connor thing that, you know, like he was kind of hit or miss whether he was going to come back or not, you know, and having a champion, like, you know, you have Connor there at 65, maybe, you know, potentially trying to fight at 70, 55, whatever it was, you have someone you could really build it off of. I, that, those two weight classes together, I don't think they're going to thin out all that much because some of them at 170 will go to 65. Some of them at 155 yep. will go there. Yep. And then the ones also from, like I said, 85, would be the weight class I'd be the most concerned about thinning out because if those guys are able to make 75, then that becomes a problem because 85 is already not a stacked division, you know? And so that's kind of where you have the issue, I think, with the seven, with the, with the with creating 175 because if you create 65, I think you have to bump the 75, 70 pound champion to 75. Um, well, I think, you know, if you look at Usman being the champion now, mm -hmm. it's a simple, I don't think he can make 165. I don't think he can either. I think it would, it would really cause him a problem. I think... He automatically would end up going to 75. I don't think it would be a problem for him. Yeah. But there'd be other guys. When you talk about 85, guys like Kelvin Gastelum. First name that came to my mind. You know, look, that that's a perfect weight class. And that's a fucking great fight. Oh, <laughs> that's oh. a great See, fight. We're already matchmaking. Oh, man. Can you imagine Usman Gastelum? I mean, I would like to see Usman Colby Covington. I'd like to see fucking Street Judah. Whatever. It was Street uh, Jesus, uh, baby. I'd like to see him and Gaslam. Can you imagine that stand up fight? Would be oh man, that great. would be fun. Um, I mean, I see all the good reasons on do it on why they have on why they should do it, but they haven't yet. Let me ask you though this though. Why hasn't why hasn't the UFC and why hasn't Bellator done this? Why do you think Bellator hasn't done it? Why not implement you know, it? I bet you there'd be we I bet you they would get some top level guys because like look. At 70, it's too hard. Guys are too big. And at 65 or 55, I can't make it. I kill myself and my performance is shit. I yeah. mean, you look at the guys that have gone up, you know, because of their careers. I mean, from Connor to Dustin Poirier that have had success, you know, uh, Mazadal, speaking of, you know, Darren Till, they've gone up because the weight cut just was too much for them. It was affecting their performances. 
I, I want to know what, why, why do you think Bellator has not done it yet? I think it, I think there's a two prong. I think there's a good and a bad if you're a promotion like Bellator and doing it. The UFC in and of itself could do it. It's really a question of do we want to have another champion? Because then that ends up now we have another champion status. You know the pay structure changes. Do we want to have all that? But then again, in a, in a way, you're looking saying, well, every, you know, every card could almost have a championship fight, which is always a good thing. But then yeah. some people will say, well, then I think it diminishes it. I don't think so. But it, it is an argument that people go with. For Bellator, I think the thinning out of the weight class is a big problem. Yeah. You know, the, you know the UFC has got 600 fighters on yeah. their roster, 600 plus. Bellator is about 300. Yeah. That's half, mm -hmm. you know, and so there's a that thinning out when you have half the amount of fighters, you know, in your roster or, or in your stable. That's that could be a big problem, you know. But the the good side of it, you look and say, is Bellator could jump forward, like you're saying, create that weight class in their promotion, have a champion at 155, 165, get rid of the 170. Make Douglas Lima the 175 pound, you know, champion. He he has the title, and then have fights at 175. And now you've created who else is the 175 pound champion in a major promotion? Nobody. So who does the UFC, you know, comparatively have to fight Douglas Lima? Well, you could say that they have, you know, Kamaru Usman and all those guys, but they don't have a champion in that weight class, yeah. and they don't have a champion in the 165. So it, I think it's there's a good side and a bad yeah. side, you know. It's it's a it's a tough call. I, I would just like I, I would like to see them do something against the grain. I guess with Bellator yeah. and, and doing the sixty five to seventy five, I think you'd end up getting a lot of fighters that realize, especially really good ones that are stuck in that in between. You know, um, now don't get me wrong, a lot of the guys that have realized that the cutting the weight was shit for them and they went up, they performed a lot better. I mean, from Darren Till to Mazadal, I've mentioned all the names, you know. Um, so Dustin Poirier doing it as well. They've had success going up in weight, but sometimes the, the weight is just too much. You know, we saw that I think a little bit with Max Holloway when he came up, but he also didn't have time to put the weight on properly. So that's, that's the thing. whole difference. That's a big difference. If you're gonna put weight on, it's no different than taking weight off. Mm -hmm. You know, putting weight, just weight, it just means you're, you're carrying 10 more pounds. Yeah. It's not doing anything for you. It takes time to put the weight on in a proper fashion so it can be effective for you and you can utilize that gain. Yep. So, yeah. different. Okay, next. <laughs> um, Live, Die, Repeat asks, who would win if Valentina fought Willie Zhang? Oh, easy. Valentina. Valentina Sorry. To me is she's the fucking best woman's fighter there is. I mean, like in I mean, I know I'm gonna catch some flack for that. But <laughs> I like technically, I mean, like, she's oh. so fucking good. You gotta think about she how is. big Amanda Nunes is and how she's and how Valentina's fought her what twice? Twice. Twice. And both times very close fights. One of them I think yep. people thought she won. One was um, a split decision. Yeah. I did that one. Okay. And the other yeah. one was the other one was no doubt Amanda won the first two rounds, but then in the third, Valentina was putting it on her, yeah. but lost the decision 29-28.
but it was getting close to, you know, if there was, if there was another round, you're looking going, man, man is in trouble, but that was a while ago. And yeah. I look at it the same way as you. Valentina has everything, yeah. everything. Her standup is so good. So technically, she actually has power, power in the kicks, even power in her hands. Her ground game is fantastic. She is so good on the ground, you know, and even in defending, she gets put on her back. She defends really well. Everything about that girl is a winner. Now, I take nothing from Weili Zhang. She is phenomenal. She's just way, as far as stature, you're going to see Valentina looking as big against Weili as Amanda looks against Valentina. Yeah. She's just a bigger fighter. And when you look at that bigger fighter, bigger, stronger fighter, you can see, take a look at the fight that, you know, Weili Zhang had against Joanna. Yeah. Well, you've seen Joanna against um, Valentina. Valentina, and she's fought her even just in Muay Thai. She's never beat her. Yeah. You know, and Joanna, you know, I'm not saying she won the fight. That was a close fight. That was a great fight between those two. So Weili is, she's great. I just don't think she should ever go up and fight Valentina. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think if I think if all these women that are stuck in that weight class, I feel bad for you. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you, she's man. She's good. And I almost feel bad for her in a way because yeah. you can take a look and say, man, there's just not that much. And she's got to look in other directions off of, you know, her weight class because I just don't see it. I, I love Cynthia. I think, you know, Cynthia Cavillo is, is a dynamite fighter. I think she's tough as hell. She's not, she cannot fight with Valentina no. right now. No, I don't just think. It's not a fight that she's prepared to win. There's no one in that weight class I think that's going to touch her. That's the thing is we end up back in this argument of like, should she go back up to 40 or 35? and 35? See if, yeah, see if she can fight, you know, Amanda Nunes again. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's that and that. That's if Amanda can make 35 is, anymore. Exactly. You know, and she's talking about, you know, retiring. Yeah. You know, because how, how much do you think that fucking pissed Dan off? <laughs> oh, dude. He had, that was the one when he got down. When he's like, wait, he, he was trying to pull his hair out, but there was nothing there for him. Oh, you know? I don't blame him. I read the you comments. Know? He's like, I fucking kill her. What the fuck? <laughs> Once you have a degree, it was a true statement because he's just looking going, oh, no. You know? Yeah. Fucking Street Jesus, fucking John Jones, Henry Cejudo, Conor McGregor, and now your ass. Fuck, he's like ready to pull his. What are you trying like to do said. to me? He's, <laughs> fuck, man, he's got to be just shitting himself. Going, God, do any of these motherfuckers want to fight? Oh, geez. Oh, I, I got to tell you, those are times where I don't, I don't, uh, I don't envy that guy. <laughs> like, oh, man. trying to put these shows on with people that are like, nah, pay me more money, or nah, I'm bouncing, I'm out of here, I'm retired. That sucks. Not right. an easy job. Next one. Uh, Selling Silverman asks, if used, would the small cage be a big disadvantage in the Izzy and Paula Costa fight? Ooh, I think it favors Paula Costa. Smaller cage. Right? Is that what you said? The smaller one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it favors Paula Costa. He's going to try to get the fight to the ground. I mean, he'll stand. There's no doubt he'll stand. But he'll, he'll, yeah, there's no doubt he'll stand. I'm just saying, like, he will mix it up, though. He will try and get the takedowns. I mean, we, did he take down Yoel Romero? I'm try, I was at that fight. I, it was I fucking don't. electric. But I, there was a couple exchanges where they got into a scramble on the ground. And I think he ended up taking uh, Yoel down. Yoel popped right back up. And they got into those mixes, you know, of all this. 
But I, I do think that he took Yoel down or they got into like a thing where like I think Yoel tried to throw him and he ended up on top. Something like that. Or try to take him down. Anyways, but I think I think Paul Acosta is going to mix it up a little bit. That'll open up his hands and uh, he'll try and put Izzy away, obviously. He's just fucking just forward. Just so forward. That guy's a savage. I mean, just, ugh. I would not want to be Izzy sitting across. <laughs> so big how does he oh, make the huge. weight I, t- I told you that you know that one time i did a, i did a fight of his and he weighed in that night at 228 228 for a 185 <laughs> like Jeez. what you know now that he was what he was wearing street clothes and stuff when he weighed in i'm sure yeah. but still you know he just he's huge that dude is put together <sighs> like a greek god and he's fast yeah give him credit man he he moves it he moves well you see, I mean, I did his fight against Johnny Hendricks, and it was just, it was horrible. Yeah. You know, the shots that he was putting on Johnny and the size difference, oh. you know, they both weighed in at the same, and you go, yeah. how are these guys in the same weight class? Yeah. You know, and Johnny Hendricks was a champion and a great wrestler, and he didn't come close to getting Costa down. No. It's just, he's a stud, you know, but Izzy's a stud too, so yeah. that, I cannot wait for that fight. That that's a great fight. It favors Izzy, I think, as the fight goes on. We saw with Yoel Romero and Paul Costa that he just slows yep. down, and that weight cut catches him. But, you can but tell. But yeah, he he was also fighting a guy in Romero that fought different than Romero was fighting against some of the other guys that he's mm-hmm. fought lately, like you know, like his Izzy fight. Romero was actually trying to pressure. Costa. Yeah, he had it in his mind that I needed to pressure. That you know, his game plan was this guy's going to fold under pressure. Yeah, and. He almost, you know, in the end, maybe it was going to work for him that three rounds compared to five rounds. You know, Izzy could take a look at that fight and maybe get some information off of it. That's a great, that's going to be a great fight. Does he go? I'm going to add my own fan question here, John. (laughs) Does he go to 205 if he beats, if he knocks out Izzy stylistically because he just beat, if he beats Izzy or knocks out Izzy, does he go to, does he go to 205 and try and fight John Jones? He's big. I mean, he's big enough to do it. There's no doubt. But, you know, do I think it's a smart move right away? No. Stay where you're at. Go through some guys there. Get more time. Let John get older. You know, let John sit on the sidelines if that's what he's going to do. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's, it's it's something to look at in the future. That, you, know, you can hold on to that title and say, you know, I want to challenge him. Great. But time is definitely your friend. Use it. Yeah. He's young. What is he? Is he even 30 yet? Oh, no. A baby, huh? What is he, 28? 20, 20, 29, yeah. Yeah, 28. He's a stud. Yeah. He's 29, yeah. 29. Yeah. That's, like, that's your prime, man. He's fucking just rocked up, too. Just explosive. Ah, dude, you talk about USADA, man. USADA has got to knock on his door going, this is the time. Yeah. This is the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, nope. yeah, that's nope. crazy, man. I'm trying to think who, else. I mean, that, that would, I would love to see that fight though. Him and John Jones. Uh, who else is at that weight class at 205? There's really no one else. I mean, I don't think anyone else in the 205, him and Santos. Would uh, be there'd a, be a couple of good fights. Him and him, Santos him, would be a good fight. Him and, Do, him and Dom Reyes. Oh, you think so? I, I think that. Oh, I, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That yeah, height yeah. Was- Dom, Dom. I just think those two explosive heart, like Santos and and Costa, would be fucking great. 
Dom Reyes is just so tall and big. I mean, so is John Jones. I think yep. just the mystique of fighting John Jones, though, and him would be great. Would be a great card. Great fight. I mean, it would be a great fight. All it right. Would. Next. All right. So this is kind of the last um the last regular one, then to kind of start taping it off into okay. more fun questions. So okay. Just, just FYI. <laughs> Uh, so this one's for Big John. Have you ever accidentally or intentionally got punched or kicked by a fighter during the years of being a referee? That comes from Tim Duel. I hope they were accidents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, like, as a referee, you are going to get hit. That is just, it's not, you know, when you sit there and say, does it happen in every fight? No. You know, if it did, I'd want to get paid a whole lot more. But it's, you're going to, because you have to come in at certain times when guys are throwing. And you're putting yourself in between guys that are in trouble and hurt, and a guy's trying to just, you know, rip their head off, and you're putting your body in between them. So you're gonna get hit. You're gonna get kicked. It's the times when you, <laughs> you you're trying to do something to protect someone, and it, it hurts you because you get you'll get a kick off of, you know, your inside of your elbow because you're not blocking it the way a fighter is. You're actually reaching for it to put your hand in a certain place. And so you get hit sometimes, it hurts, but it's part of your job. And that's just what you do. And you're going to get hit, know that you're going to get hit. And the big thing is, if you're going to stick your head in somewhere, always keep your chin down, just like a fighter. There's all kinds of rules the same as what you're going to do. If you, if you put your, if you step in front and you have your chin way up, you know, you're going to get clocked somewhere along the way. That's like, you know, when I used to stop fights, you would see at the end, you try to get yourself in between the fighters and we, I would shoot my hand in between them saying time. And there, there was, there was multitudes of reasons why I did it that way. I'll explain them to you to a point. But one of the things was you took that shoulder and when your hand went through that shoulder was blocking that chin. Okay. That way, if it got hit here, you know, it's a possibility you could get hit. The guy could throw something weird, but you were protecting a good side of your chin on it. The other part was the reason you're putting your hand through there is this is where people get confused about punches after the bell. There was just that fight that occurred at the Apex Center and you saw the fighter turning and the, the fighter's throwing the punch and as he's throwing the punch, the horn goes off and the punch lands and your commentary team said, oh, that was after the bell. No, it was not. The punch was thrown before the bell sounded. So when the reason I would put my arm through was I knew as I heard the sound, my hand is shooting through. And if my arm is not completely straight and something passes it, it's legal. Hmm. If my arm is completely straight and then something passes it, it's not legal because trust me, as the old guy, I'm going to be slower throwing my arm out than the fighter is throwing his. So that's why you would do it. Was that another dig at Bisping and Dom Reyes or Dom, no, Dom Cruz? That sounded like a dig. It, was it just, like, wasn't like digging. About I'm just being like honest. Let's be honest. Bell. It sounded like they, they don't know. said it was after the bell. So they were wrong. Are you saying they were wrong? after the bell. You're... But as far as the referee is going to look at it and the legality of the fight, no, it's not after you the gotta bell really because it was thrown before. You got to really leave those guys alone, okay? I mean, they're, they're working <laughs> with, what they, with the Here. tools that they have Here, let, the let, best let me, they let, can. Let, let, let me just do this one. <laughs> <laughs> Bisbee, you hear that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, guys. Uh, it's always fun in games. I love it. He they actually came back on their show and, and said a couple of things. It was pretty funny. I uh, did that in here. No, it was it was all in fun, and he knows. Good, it that's the way it's supposed to be. I loved it. I loved it. I enjoy um, it. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I have nothing to say. That, <laughs> was, all, that was all John. That was all Look John. Look at that. Josh is You left speechless. me speechless. You left me speechless. Oh, that's good, man. Well, this next one might get you perked up in your chair then. <laughs> that's um, <gonna> be fun. <laughs> Scotty to Hockey asks, Josh Thompson in his prime versus Conor McGregor in his prime. Who wins and how do you see it playing out? I'll answer that. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I, think, I think Connor would have beat me. I think, um, just being honest, I, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of respect for him um, when I had fought Tony Ferguson. There was a lot of talk about, you know, if I beat Tony, that there'd be a good chance of him and I fighting. And I was like, you know, but they would have had to redo my deal and all that stuff too. But I'm saying there was a chance, like, because he was coming up. I was the old gatekeeper kind of guy, you know, fought Benson, fought, you know, beat Nate, that kind of thing. So there was talk about potentially, you know, like, hey, if you beat Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson, he was like, I think on like a seven fight win streak or something at the time. And so he's like, if you beat Tony, there's a good chance you could be potentially be in the conversation to fight Connor. Um, but I think, I think honestly, me and my prime, just the game was so much different. You mm -hmm. know, Connor, people don't give him enough credit for the things that he's done. Stand up wise, the wide stance, the, the kind of that karate style. He's evolved his game from the time he first came in to the time he came now. My game was always very like whatever you were good at, I try to just do the opposite. You know, so I wasn't the best wrestler, I wasn't the best striker, I was never the best jujitsu guy, but I was always someone that I knew what you were good at, and I just went away from that. I just tried to out wrestle you if he was a good striker, which he was. I would have tried to take him down, take him down. I would have set it up with punches and kicks. You know, but a lot of what I did well, he did he did a little bit better, I think, on the feet. Also, too, that southpaw, I, I had a hard time with guys that were southpaw. I mean, I can say that now. It just yep. was one of those things. I had a hard time, especially when I spar with guys that were really good southpaw guys in my gym. I spar with a couple good left-handers uh, boxing-wise. And I always had a hard time with them until, until like I had sparred with them two or three times. Even the first time I sparred, I sparred with this kid named Ricardo Pinnell, who was like, uh, I want to say he was 11 and 0 when I started sparring, 9 and 0 when I started sparring with him. We sparred up until he was like 11 or 12 and 0. And, and same thing with Robert Guerrero when I sparred with him, the ghost. I sparred with him. The first two times I sparred with them, I had the hardest time. The way that they the way they use their footwork, they step the back, they step a different way, the opposite direction that I'm used to stepping. Step trying to keep my foot on the outside, the straight left, my straight right. I was always right hand heavy, but theirs was always faster and better. So like boxer, you know, just I'm being honest, that straight left, yeah, they just got better hands. And I would put Connor in that mix of he would have had better hands than me for sure, hands down. You know, no pun intended there. Um, it just he would have had, and then that push kick or that little that little toe kick. I dealt with guys that had that. They were really what Kung Lee. He was fucking famous for that little toe kick. I had a hard time with that. It just was one of those things. I love to utilize my push kick. He has a toe kick. There's a difference between the two things. I had a good push kick that came up the middle. He had a good toe kick that was like an actual real like roundhouse kick that went the toe dug in. Machida had it as well. Those guys are hard to deal with. Like it's just those little nagging injuries, little nagging shots that keep you away. That diminish you. That diminish you and make you think like, fuck man, nothing's going my way. And then you add those things in with not being able to get one or two takedowns, especially early in the fight, all of a sudden your game, your game plan changes. And I can tell you, and I'll give you guys an example of when I fought Tony Ferguson, I was like, this guy's got no takedown defense. I'm gonna fucking take him down, no problem. I shot my very first takedown. He did that little roll through. I pretty much didn't shoot again after that. It was like very, I, I had very little shots. I stayed on the outside. That's where he wanted me. He was longer than me. 
He had long arms. He had longer push kicks. Things changed the game. And I, I if you're going to compare the two things between me and Connor, I think just my game was still trying to evolve. And I was trying to keep up with the younger guys that had been training MMA their whole time. Their games had evolved to whatever it was that made them really good. Like Connor, he maybe didn't have the good, he didn't have great wrestling, but he had good takedown defense. He didn't have great wrestling, good cage cage awareness. Okay, he's got a wide stance. He knew how to use it, utilize the inside kick. He did a lot of things at a very high level at a very young age. You know, whereas I felt like with my generation of guys, we were still trying to figure it all out. And the younger guys came in and like, oh, you guys got it figured out. We'll learn from this. Whereas we're still trying to figure it out, you know, here at the bottom. I got to tip my hat to the guy, man. I mean, he would have probably, I would think he would have beat me. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take the other side. Not, not so much. I agree with you. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. You know, but I'm going to, I'm going to look at it and say, here's the things that Connor does that I would have said, okay, Josh, you, you've got this fight with him. This is what we need to do. Yeah. The first thing you got to do is, Connor is so good at controlling distance, controlling the distance of the fight. You've got to take that away from him. Yeah. So I need you to take chances in getting close, putting your hands on him, put him into the cage. We're going to dirty box this guy to death. Everything that we do is inside. Now, people are going to say, but Connor, you know, he did the shoulder strikes against Donald Sterling. That's great. I'm not saying he's bad there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Connor is bad on the ground. I don't think he is. I think his wrestling is actually outstanding yeah and you can go back to the very first takedown that khabib tried on connor and some of the articulations that he was doing to create problems for khabib shows how skilled he is yeah. in the wrestling area and on the ground but if you're going to look and say where does connor have a disadvantage in this fight there's one place he has a disadvantage and that is in conditioning now, it's not that he's not in condition, but Connor's built a certain way. He's a fast-twitch muscle fiber athlete who, when pressed to work hard, tails off. He needs space in a fight. He needs to find those areas to catch air, to lessen the load on him, and to let his heart rate come down. And that's what, if there's any area, if you're looking and saying it's a three-round fight, we'll say, I don't think it would be. I think it would be a five-round fight if you know Josh was going to fight him because Connor's always the main event. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've got to push him. I don't care if you know we're going to lose the first round. It's okay, and we're going to lose the second round, and we're going to start really putting pressure on him. So when we get to that third round, Connor's a different athlete, and now we're fighting from a position of he's not as fast, he's not as powerful, he's not as strong, and we can do work in creating mm -hmm. problems for him. That's how you would beat Connor, but yeah, okay. You know, Connor's the next evolution. He's he does a lot of things. You know, it's hard to take you know old fighters or fighters from the past. I'm going to tell you this. Just knowing you and being in the cage with you and watching, there's not a lot of guys that could finish Josh Thompson. And Connor's going to have a hard time finishing you too. But you know, are you at a disadvantage in that fight? Yes, mm -hmm. but it's, it would still be a good fight, and you would give him a good fight. It's just that at this you know, moment in time, you're taking a look at the tools that he has, that he's created over his now career, a little bit different than yours, and it works for today's MMA, where what you were doing was a different style of MMA in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
what my generation was guys were still trying to figure out the conditioning aspect of it all. So yeah. I just, and I was lucky enough to train with Frank Shamrock, who was very much about like, you need to make sure your conditioning is on point. If condition is on point, the rest of it, it all becomes easy, which was true. The better shape I was in, the more I learned, the more knowledge I was able to obtain, uh, to obtain from my coaches and absorb and basically be able to use it in the cage. I, I, definitely in a three round fight, I would give it to him. A five round fight, I would give myself more of a chance. It doesn't mean it would happen. You know, yeah. I'm just simply saying like, I, I agree with you in the five round fight because I was that go forward, go forward. And I knew that it was never going to be, I was never going to, very rarely did I ever win the first round. You know, it was one of those things, <laughs> you know, and so in a three round fight, it sucked. I was like, Can we yeah, just I, get I, rid of the first round? Yeah, I just got to get out. Just make it. him tired. It just guys were normally bigger guys were normally stronger guys normally kind of like i let guys kind of i try to fill it out guys were just able to push me around a little bit in that first round but then i try to keep such a fast pace that it was able to slow them down i made the mistake against tony thinking that that was going to happen and that didn't happen so it was like one of those things you're you know with connor though you see it and I, it's funny you say that because i talk to john cavanaugh his coach all the time about you know he's like yeah because if we ever do fight nate again and i said you know i I, I give the same advice that you just pretty much kind of gave me. I feel like the two of them, they lack that cage against the cage type fighting, fighting in a phone booth. Two of them do, both of them. Nate mm -hmm. is just physically not strong, like not strong at all. We saw it with the Roy McDonald fight. We saw it with another Very fight. long and lanky. Long, lanky, no physical strength. Not saying he's not good. Not saying he doesn't hit hard. Oh, not saying any of those things. Yeah, I mean, he just he's just physically not strong. So when I when I fought him, I felt like the way to beat him was to keep him against the fence, not let him use his length and his range, keep your head up so he couldn't guillotine you. And just do not let him control the pace. Yeah, do not let him control the pace. And I was the one pressing him to the fence. Sometimes I would turn and put my back to the fence too, because I made him feel comfortable. Like, oh wow, I I'm I've got him pressed now. But he never tried to back away and throw strikes. And when he did, I would just get out and go to the other side of the cage. And I've had these conversations with John Kavanaugh about you know, with uh, Connor, I was like, he's got to fight. He's got to find a way to, to make it a dirty boxing match if he's going to be in there because for five rounds, he can't keep running. You know, being on the bike for that long, it's definitely hard. You know, so with Connor, like you said, he's fast twitch. You got to slow the pace down every once in a while. I just feel like, yeah, you're right. In that five round fight, I would have give myself more of a chance. I'm not saying it would happen. I'm just saying I would give myself more yeah. of a chance. Not in a three round fight. So Benji asks, what's the best fight in Bellator history? Ooh, Joshua, go. I, I've got mine. Go ahead and go. I got to think about mine for a oh, second. Go ahead and man. go. man. Already go going go. there. I got to, hey, my brain doesn't work as fast as yours. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 mine's a two-parter because it's the same guys who have fought twice, and both fights were just barn burners, and that's Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler. Okay. I, I did the second fight, and if you go back and watch it, five rounds, Man, they did everything. They beat the shit out of each other. There was some amazing things done. There was, I mean, just Nat's ass close times of the fight almost being over. You go to their first fight. It was an incredible performance by both guys. And the Chandler came out and puts Eddie on his ass, which a lot of guys have done in putting Eddie yeah. down. And he comes back. He's got that big comeback ability. And then he does come back. And then... Chandler gets him again and then finally ends it in the fourth with a choke. Those two, those two fights, I would say you could pick either one of those since it's the same two fighters. I'm saying that's my choice for the best Bellator fights I think I've seen. Oh, man. 
I got to put Campos and Gertz in that conversation as well. Ah, that's another one right there. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard not to. That, uh, the third fight between Campos and Gertz is just uh, phenomenal. Just great. The, the, that fight and then... I mean, realistically, I've got to got, got I got to kind of put in there like the Strauss and Patricio fights because yeah. they were so good and so technical, and just one guy had the advantage. The speed was winning like all the way, and then then Patricio catches him at the end. It's just like ah, like just the brain fart sometimes on Strauss, and then Strauss getting the win eventually, like down the line. It just that whole controversy of of you know has that like that the trilogy effect the great fight anyways i i just feel like promotions are built off of the, those type of fights yeah. you know i think we had a little bit of it with the uh, gsp and bj penn a little bit with matt hughes and gsp like you know you've got certain promotions you know or certain fights they help elevate a promotion oh. you know from tito and chuck uh chuck you know, and randy the, yeah chuck and randy for sure chuck and randy yep. you know i mean so you you've got those those type of fights that help elevate the promotion um, yeah, I, I would go with Campos and Gertz. Okay, the good, but, but good call. But here's the thing: is I'm not going against what you said with Eddie and Chandler. I think mm-hmm. technically that was a way better fight. Like, if I was to sit down and say, "Hey, kids, like if you want to know, <laughs> if you want to see like how to fight, like these yeah. two guys are fucking animals. Like these good technicians, want yeah. you know, like get dropped, come back, show the fighter spirit, that kind of thing." But the Campos Gert fights, if you want to sit down and have a beer and enjoy a fight, <laughs> like just just sit there and be like, oh yeah, and be a fan, then that's the fight. I think you look at those fights. So those are, those are mine. What do you got? What else, Dave? Oh, um Welcome to the conversation, buddy. <laughs> I didn't realize you were done. Uh, you said what was your best fight and you gave like nine. I thought you were gonna keep oh. going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um AP asks, how did the three of you meet? Or you two, I guess. How did you guys meet? Well, you're part of the three, I think, is what he's referring to, buddy. No. Um. So, well, John and I, we, I wouldn't say we we knew each other, but we knew we knew of each other. We knew each other. You did my fights, and um, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I always looked at, I, I don't know. I never really looked at refs any different than like, I just looked at coaches when I see them every day. I see them all the time. I see you at events and stuff. But then um, we really didn't, like, we really didn't get along until, um, until um, I roasted you at the state athletic commission thing. <laughs> and, and John's, John's texting me, dude, I'm on your fucking side. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's like, He's stop. like, bro, stop yelling at me. Let me He's talk. Like, stop yelling at me. I was like interrupting John and telling him this <laughs> and telling him that. I was, I was like, uh, anyways. Uh, but then we started working together, and uh, for Bellator doing the commentary, and you and I had some some long conversations about some fights. And like I've said a bunch of times on the show, is you know we'd all be sitting around having dinner or lunch or whatever it was, breakfast, and everyone else would leave the table, and you and I are still there talking fights. And I was like. In my mind, you know, you had brought up, you had a podcast a long time ago and Dana made you delete it because you were a ref and you had said some stuff that he didn't like. And, and so you got rid of it and you were, th- you were thinking about starting another one up and in doing it. So I was like, you know what? Hey, you guys want, you want to do one together. And you, you know, that's kind of how we kind of meshed in together. It was really the Bellator fold, I think. I mean, sure, fighting. Sure. But I think all fighters kind of keep refs a little bit like at an arm's length. And I think refs pretty much keep the fighters at arm length. You have to, yeah, because there there is that that 
you know, you can't get close with a fighter. You'll like guys, you know, but you've got to do be fair for everyone. And so it, there's, there is no emotional attachment. If you're the referee, it can't be it's, and you tell yourself it's real simple. You can really like one guy, but you say that guy doesn't need me to help him win this fight. Just like yeah. the other guy doesn't need me to help him. They're going to decide it on their own. If one of them needs help in getting out of the fight and losing it, I'll be that guy to help him with yeah. that. So it's, you know, there, there is that difference, but you know, the one thing for me and how you know we came about fighting is not what people think all the time. And everyone thinks they understand fighting and you'll sit down and you'll talk with somebody and you'll go, you don't understand. fighting." And so when we got to sit down and talk and it wasn't just, you know, because you had fought, you know, it's the actual technical side and it's the brain trust as far as how would you attack this? Why would you do this? And we started going through all those different things. And it was fun, you know, because yeah. we can, you can, you know, throw something at me and I can come back at you and then, you, you know, you'll come back at me. And that, that made it fun. It was fun to talk fights with someone that got it. Yeah. And so that was why we did this. And then Dave just jumped in because I don't know why. Yeah. Tell me why, Dave. I've been trying to shake, I've been trying to shake Dave for six years now and I just can't get him to go away. <laughs> and then, you know, he's pretty much married now. He's got an anchor baby and stuff. So, <laughs> but, um, no, I agree. I think that was the other thing too, is, um, when we sat down, it was like having the knowledge to sit down and talk and have fun. It was the conversation piece of like, I know, I know you guys only get the fun part. Like we, I like to give him banter back and forth, but you guys have to understand that it's, it's all in fun. Like there, we're not, we're not handing out, you know, Olympic medals after this or Nobel peace prices after our conversations, you know, we're really just here to have a conversation and maybe give you guys insight on both of our, both of our careers. And I think that's why we've grown. Our podcast has grown so much as John has a way different perspective than I would normally have as a fighter, you know, but he also sees my side of the, my point of view as well. And I've learned to see his side, which is, <laughs> I have. it's true because there's a uh, lot of things like, like sure. I, I can continue to give examples all day long is, but the number one thing is fighters. If I was to, to throw out the rules in front of you, if I was to ask, John was to ask you a rule, you don't fucking know as much as oh. I fought for 20 something years. He would ask me, is this, this, and this? And I'm like, no, it's nice. I guess it is. It's actually in the rule book. And it's like, the, and it just in my mind, you think we think we know the rules. We yeah. think we know the sport very well, but your job is to know the, the sport to make sure that someone's life gets saved. If you know, we don't get injured or hurt. So we just, I've learned to appreciate the judging side of it all as well. You've got me to open up my mind in that aspect as well. And as far as what refs go through, you know, I mean, you talked about earlier about how, um, of course, like majority of almost all refs get hit, you know, on accident, you know, when they jump in and things like that. I just attribute that to not being a very good ref. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is what makes us fun is cause I'll, I'll do little jabs like that and he'll get me back later on and, and uh, I think that the relationship that we have definitely built, especially over the, the all the breakfasts and lunches and talks and beers and stuff after shows and the relationship built from there. And this this is when during all this stuff that's going on in the world right now, I got to tell you, it's nice to be able to do things like this and not have to worry about someone trying to hang you out to dry or ruin your career or, you know, just understanding this is for fun. We're, we love doing this even though we sometimes get sick of podcast Dave, but we, we love, we love this part, you know? And so I appreciate, I appreciate having you with on us doing the show together. And 
I appreciate podcast, Dave. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I love it. All man. the work he does. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you too. I'm very, very. <laughs> nah. Nah. But it, I'm definitely am. I am thankful for you guys. So same here. You got anything to add? Third will? No. Sometimes. Come on, Dave. Sometimes better, better that way. <laughs> Less is more. Oh, um, what else? What time is it? It's eight thirty. You are, is there any more? Uh, no, I don't have no? any more. Frankly, okay. Uh, anything else? No, man. Just looking forward to uh, a good Fourth of July. I hope everyone has a great Fourth of July. Spend it with your family. Have good food. If you can't see fireworks because you're in California and they don't do fireworks or they take away your ability to actually go outside, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, that, that's you and Dave. Sorry about that. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I hope everyone has a good one. Every holiday, New Year's Eve, 4th of July, Halloween, whatever it is, I always say the same thing. Um, don't drink and drive. Please Be safe. Drink. If you're going to drink, stay home. Don't drink and drive. Please stay safe. Um there's plenty of other nights to enjoy. Don't be anything stupid. You know, enjoy your family. Keep them tight to you. And uh, you guys be safe. Everyone be safe. See you soon.